Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by David Woolman. David, it is 2.36 on a Wednesday afternoon, and we are here to talk about our reader-voted game of the week. Uh, first off, big thank you to everybody who went to our website, starlocalmedia.com, to vote on the five games we had up for consideration. Um, you know, I know last week we uh, we talked about, you know, every time Sax is on the poll that it just feels like Sax is going to run away with it. Well, mm-hmm. if there is another uh, student body out there that is making a case to uh, perhaps be the uh, the pound-for-pound king of this year's uh, Game of the Week voting. It's Plano West. (laughs) This is uh, how how many times? I believe this is just the second, but nevertheless, the the two times that West has been on this, it's been very, very emphatic with the turnout that they've had. And um, and sure enough, it's, um, yeah, they ran away with this one. This game um, is going to be Friday, 7 o'clock, out at Neil Wilson Stadium in Flower Mound. Um, It's Plano West against Flower Mound, a game, one of the two games, only two games this week in District 6XA because of, you know, COVID. Yeah, yeah, that's a short name <laughs> yeah it's um so it's a game that certainly has taken on some uh, some much much greater significance than we initially might have thought heading into the and just into the season in general because you look at just the uh kind of the the overall landscape of the district right now and as we mentioned there are two games that have been canceled for this week because you've had plano and heber and having to cancel you know portions of their schedule due to covid19 related outbreaks within their football programs so between those two schools missing out on two games and then the teams that they were supposed to play over that stretch missing out on a game as well you have six teams in this district that are going to miss out on at least one game related to uh, COVID-19 the only two teams though that emerge from at least this little hiccup unscathed are playing a western flower mound (laughs) cross our fingers still yeah it's very very fitting how that's uh, how that's panned out yes gotta cross your fingers because it does feel like we uh you know we're not going to believe it's going to happen until they're actually on the field and about to kick off at this juncture exactly but nevertheless though that does sort of uh kind of ramp up the stakes for this game friday out in flower mound because um you know as we're getting down near the uh, near the home stretch and we start to kind of look a little bit closer at these standings as far as what needs to happen for certain teams to get in the playoffs and you factor in how each district is going to go about determining those playoff spots. Um, the most coveted currency in District 66A is total number of district wins. Not not by lo- wins and losses, but just wins. Yeah, not winning percentage or anything like that. Because like like you know, you know, Plano West and Flower Mound, they still stand a, a chance at completing their entire seven game district schedule and finishing this thing out relatively unscathed. Whereas the other six teams are guaranteed to, you know, play no more than you know. In the case of Plano and Hebron, they can play no more than five district games. And uh, then for like Marcus Capel, uh, Louisville, and East, no more than six district games. So 
that's I mean that's a significant advantage for playing a Western Flyer Mound. It's I mean that availability could ultimately be the difference between one team making the playoffs and another team missing. So it really does put a little bit more emphasis on this game as far as who's able to get a win here and you know potentially shake up this uh, this playoff logjam we have right now. Yeah, it's still not going to be as important as like let's say you're like in a zone like mm. what happened to Rowlett. Yeah, it's not like anyone's season could potentially <laughs> end on Friday like it happened with uh, with Rowlett last week and whatnot. So, but nevertheless, there's still a big game as far as climbing up that pecking order in District 66A. Um, and two teams that I think have a fairly similar stylistic profile in some ways. Um, so let's um, let's just kind of talk a bit about just um, kind of how both these teams have you know sized up to this point and just kind of how we got to this game Friday out at, uh, out at Neil Wilson Stadium. Um, let's start with Plano West. You know, one of the uh, one of the nice little surprise stories in the uh, in the area this season. Uh, Plano West has uh, been a it's been a resurgent year for Plano West. They're four and three overall, two and two in district play. Their offense averaging twenty four point three points per game. Defense allowing twenty two point four. Um, you know, they started off the year two and one. Got those that emphatic start to the year, shutting out Wiley twenty eight nothing. They beat North Mesquite, then had a bit of a hiccup in the second half against Little Elm. And then as district play has gone on, they've kind of alternated wins and losses. They had the big signature win against Louisville to kick things off, 27-17. to 17. You saw them in their game against Capel, which was a game of the week selection. Mm-hmm. Um, that game, um, you know, they actually were in, you know, in fairly decent shape, and then that one kind of got away from them in the fourth quarter. Then they respond the following week, and they beat Plano East. And then last week, they lost to Marcus. Um, but nevertheless, though, still firmly entrenched in the playoff mix, I believe technically in fifth place, albeit one half game back from three teams that didn't play last week. And here. And Capel and Louisville, um, you know, with Plano East, it's a team that kind of prides itself on a um, on the run game. You know, Plano West, yeah, Plano West. Yeah, I'm sorry, did I say Plano East? East yeah. Plano East. Oh, goodness, well, Plano East. Uh, Plano runs uh, the ball a lot too. You're a Plano East grad, so I mean, it naturally just hits home. <laughs> um, so with Plano West, yeah, it's, they they entered the year, you know, kind of ready to hitch their wagon on offense to running back Tabor Yates. He really, really came on strong for them over the back half of last season, and you kind of saw that early in the year as a bit of a bell cow approach um, to how they were distributing his carries. He had over 20 carries, and their ones over. Wiley and North Mesquite, um, but then in that first district game against Louisville, um, right before halftime, he injured his quad, and he's kind of been in and out of the lineup ever since. Um, so whereas you know, you'd think at the, at the surface, okay, that takes away a really central piece of Plano West's identity. They've actually unearthed a bit of a, a bit of a gem for their uh, for their future now in sophomore Dermot White, who um, I mean, yeah, he looks like a really key piece as to what West might have going forward, and he's held up really well in the times that he's been able to uh, you know get some serious carries. He's averaging over five and a half yards per carry. He's just a sophomore going against some pretty solid defenses, too. So, um, yeah, Dermot White has kind of kept that run game afloat. Um, you know, it's, it is a shame because the last time I got to see West was in that game against Plano East, and Yates was actually back for that game. So you got to see them both. And um, it's it's kind of a shame because Yates then he, he re-aggravated the injury, you know, and then had to, you know, miss the, uh, the second half of that game. But just to see the way that West was able to work those two running backs in as a, as a bit of a tandem in the, in the first half and just I mean, just what it meant as far as being able to keep that backfield fresh and just how effective that could be. I mean, in the first half, they just ran through Plano East, and um, a lot of it centered on the job that they were able to do, just balancing those two running backs. And then you had the other element of, uh, of quarterback Vance Fauerbacher, who's actually the backup. He actually got the start in that game, though, against Plano East. And it just, I don't know, just their, the strength of their run game was really, really on display. And it looked like the, uh, the kind of identity that you could really see this team kind of riding you know, to, the, uh, to the finish line 
line. But then again, Yates got hurt, so he uh, he missed the game last week against Marcus. But um, again, if he's able to go on Friday, then I mean it would be a really big boost as far as their ability just to keep both running backs fresh and firing on all cylinders for all four quarters. Uh, Greg Drawn did come back last week. He missed the East game due to an injury. Um, he did have um, his first two interception game of the season. He's been very efficient with the ball up to this point. He'd only thrown two picks all year beforehand. And, you know, West, when you just you look at kind of the way that they operate, again, it's, a, it's an offense that prides itself on the run, prides itself on working the clock, winning time of possession, and you got to be efficient in that respect. So it's not an offense that can afford, you know, multi- multiple turnovers and whatnot. So um, that kind of helped things get a bit off kilter there against Marcus. Um, defensively, though, they've been, I mean, they've been pretty steady all season. You know, they started mm-hmm. off the year with that big shutout of Wiley, and then, um, you know, up until, uh, really up until Marcus. Marcus is really the only team that's had any, you know, any modicum of success consistently moving the ball on them. And even then, you know, as you uh, were looking over, it actually had some success against them early on. Yeah, uh, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, the LSU pledge for Marcus, he can do whatever, whatever he wants to. Yeah, he's tough. <laughs> he's tough. I mean, even if it thinks like, even if you're going to send three defenders at him and it looks like a sack for a lot of teams, he's either going to take off for a 15 yard run or else throw mm-hmm. for like a long touchdown between three defenders right yeah. there. Uh, as I, as I saw in the Capel game where, uh, like, uh, uh, I think it was during the second quarter, he like, he, he was flushed to his left and then he just took off and boom. First down right there, third and 16, got 20 yards out of it. Like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, but against last week against Plano West, um, you know, the West defense, like they actually held them to two straight three and outs to start the game right there. Mm-hmm. Um, on one of those possessions right there, um, Nussmar actually got sacked twice by Mansoor Ahmad, and um, that actually allowed uh, Plano West to get a short field mm-hmm. uh, because, like, Marcus was p- uh, pinned in its own, deep in its own end right there. So um, that allowed you know, Plano West to not be, you know, get, you know, not have to go too far. And then that led to uh, Dermot White, you know, the sophomore mm-hmm. breakout uh, uh, running back that we're seeing right there. Um, he gave him a seven, nothing read right there with the, with the dive up the middle. And although Marcus, you know, they started to, you know, take control, you know, towards the end of the first quarter started, to, you know, get things figured out. Um, Plano West just shows that even against Marcus, it's able to hold its own for a while. Mm-hmm. It's a very it's a very senior laden unit for Plano West yeah. um, on that defensive side of the ball. They have ten of their top eleven tacklers are seniors. Um, Tyler Harrell, Jacob Stevens being you know two of the most prominent. You know mm-hmm. Stevens is kind of the centerpiece of the unit linebacker yeah. committed to Lamar and he's been really really solid. He entered the Marcus game last week, second on the team in tackles and first in sacks. Um, the only player um, like I mentioned, it's just nothing but seniors that are uh, leading the way there on defense. The one guy though who has worked into the mix as far as one of their top defensive performers who's not a senior is sophomore Vance Feuerbacher, who I mentioned earlier, you know, as she played quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, he does a little bit of everything for them. He contributes in all three phases. He's backup quarterback, plays in the secondary on defense, and he's their punter. Um, so, uh, yeah, lots of... Uh, lots kind of reminds you that kid at Frisco Liberty. Yes. Uh, Liberty or who's it? Reedy, I think you might be thinking of. No, it's, it's Liberty. Oh, okay. Because remember... Well, we had a guy, so, yeah, this is actually before you got here. There was a guy at Reedy named Will Harbor who was key for our, our all-area team. We have a utility player of the year, and Will Harbor had actually won it in the past, and he kind of had that same sort of role, except he was okay. a linebacker, not a defensive back, but he did a lot of uh, contributions in all three phases for uh, Faridi and whatnot. Okay, but getting back to this game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, so, I'm sorry, guys. Um, no, but nevertheless, though, yeah, it's, it's a senior-heavy unit, though, for Plano 
West on defense. You know, Farabacher's really, really stood out, though, as mm-hmm. far as a, a piece that's going to be part of their future in them in whatever capacity. It sounds like they can just use them all over the place. Yeah. Um, but then, um, you know, you've got some strength up front with Cole Frederick, Kate Hathaway, Josiah Shelley, um, just a bunch of... Uh, they can really, really put the heat on you on that defensive front, and it's and it's really showed, like I said, against... Marcus was really the only team that's been, been able to find a way to consistently score on them. You know, they had obviously had that big statement earlier on in the season and when they shut you know when they shut down Louisville held them to just 17 points against Plano East Plano East had um, I mean Plano East needed to score I think it was at something like they were up uh, up like 24 points I think in the in the fourth quarter before East made a huge comeback but they did a really good job subduing that East attack mm-hmm. it's been a solid solid unit um with uh, with Flowermound on the other hand Flowermound's been man up until last week you thought you had Flowermound figured out and then they just that East game just completely turned things for them on a um, mm-hmm. on its axis so, Flyermount on the year is three and four overall. Just uh, just one and three in district play. The offense. Here's a fun fact for you, David. They've scored just as many points on the season as Plano West has. 170 points. So it's a fun fact. You can use at parties it, down the road. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're um yeah. So Flyermount's offense averaging 24.3 points per game. The defense allowing 26.8. And that number is a little inflated because there are two times as you were looking at David when I mean they just got actually hammered by Marcus and they got hammered by Louisville. Um, but outside of that though, they've held up. You know they've held up fairly well. Yeah, they uh, earlier this season um uh, they're playing uh, state rank Mansfield Timberview. Yeah. And the, like the defense, they kept them in that game as I think it was an 18 to 13 game. It was, yes. And, uh, and Timberview, you know, I'm, like I've seen, I've, I've covered them before when I was uh, freelancing for the star telegram mm-hmm. and uh, like they were just, they could just run up and down the field on you. Really? I mean, they what they're, what they're running backs and just their offensive line. But I mean, like, that's that's a good you know even though it's a loss it's a it's a feel good moment heading towards district play with allowing just eighteen points mm-hmm. to a, a Timberview team that's always you know has some good good talent at its skill positions uh, and then obviously uh, fast forward to a couple weeks later the three overtime game against uh, Hebron yeah uh, it was kind of uh, it's kind of crazy like you see a three overtime game like how often do you see a score that's twenty five to twenty in three <laughs> overtimes yeah you expect that to be a little bit closer like the forties and the fifties and whatnot but I mean that's still it's a credit to their defense you know even uh, i think it's a time when even hebron had its you know some backups in there because of injury situation mm-hmm. right there um i think weston conaway wasn't in point at that time so i think they had their backup quarterback in and still to even like and we've seen what their backups backups have been able to do oh yeah it's still a good team that's yeah. still a good team like you saw them against eaton uh, earlier this year mm-hmm. and yeah. and obviously they can you know it, they have some good depth on that team and they're going to be a team that's going to be in the mixer of playoffs to you know keep it close to hebron right there it shows that they can hang with just about anybody yeah for flyerman their defense i mean like i said the numbers are inflated because they gave up a combined 105 points to Marcus and Louisville. Yep. In the other five games, though, they're allowing just 16.2 points per game. Mm-hmm. Um, and all five of those opponents, they've held them all to um, 25, 21 points or less in uh, in regulation. Um, worth noting there. So that's the defense has been again. It's been steady. They got a lot of talent in that front seven. Obviously up front with the uh, SMU commit Stone Eby plus uh, Colton Votney, um, Landon Colby, and uh, Ryan Lukash at linebacker. And then in the secondary, Ryan McDavid and Christian Clatterbaugh 
Kirillov made some big plays for them as well. So pretty much unless they're playing Marcus or Louisville, who are, you know, objectively two of the, what, 10, 15 best offenses in the area, um, they fared well. And, like, when you look at this matchup, Plano West fits the profile more so of the teams that Flyermont's defense has held up well against. So mm-hmm. that's something that should at least work in their favor. It's not an offense that's just going to light you up up and down the field no. like they'd seen with the Marauders. Very methodical field. offense. Yeah, and the Farmers. Um, but obviously, though, when you look at just kind of the uh, the way last week kind of impacted the narrative coming into this one, it's not about the defense of Flyer Mound. It's about that offense because that side of the ball had its coming out party, and man, did they uh, did they break out last week against Plano East. Heading into that East game, they had only averaged about 17.8 points per game. So naturally, that means they're going to score 63 points on Plano East. Um, just such a... Uh, they were just waiting to let it out at some point. Yeah, I mean, making up for lost time. Yep. If that's, yeah, they were just absolutely emphatic in their performance against East. 625 yards of offense, 39 first downs. <laughs> So they were just, I mean, just constantly moving the chains. It wasn't just big play one after another. They were just, it was just, almost, honestly, like death by a thousand cuts, <laughs> so to speak. Because they were, I mean, they had a 77 to 44 advantage in offensive snaps. They averaged, you know, about eight yards per play. But within the uh, within that 625 yards, 456 through the air, 169 on the ground. Um, you look at, obviously, behind center, Nick Evers, you know, who came mm-hmm. into the season with a bit of fanfare. You know, he had some Division One interest that he's generated um, before even making his first ever varsity start. So there are expectations for, um, you know, for this quarterback at Flower Mound. And he had his best game of the season by a mile. He had, what, 452 yards passing, four touchdowns, only six incompletions. Uh, an average of 12.2 yards per pass. Um, he was, I mean, clicking with Parker Clark all night long in this game. 12 catches, 234 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Cade Edline, another junior receiver for, uh, for Flyer Mound, he had 10 catches for 117 in the touchdown. Um, their running game, you know, Peyton Porter's kind of taken over the mantle as their lead running back, and he was effective in that game. Mm-hmm. 18 carries, 96 yards, and three touchdowns. The big thing that stuck out in just kind of going back over the highlights of the uh, Flower Mount East game was, um, you know, everything with Flower Mount's offense is predicated on tempo. You know, they, they work a very, very effective quick game. And um, and that was, you know, kind of the thing that stood out is how a lot of Evers' best throws downfield, there was really no wasted movement. Everything was just so precise and decisive in how, um, in how he operated. I mean, he dropped back, knew exactly where he wanted to go, let it rip, and put it right on the target. There was really, again, there was never any sort of hesitation on where Flyer Mount was supposed to go with that play, and it was executed to perfection, just about. I mean, 63 points for that offense, given what they had done for the first two couple months of the season, uh, that's that's a bit of a statement there um, at the expense of, of Plano East. Now, obviously, it helps that, you know, that normally means that your first read was typically open every time you were looking downfield, so the onus then falls now on Plano West to try to knock that off course and at least try to knock uh, Evers off his rhythm a bit and really have to make him kind of think. That's what I've heard about like you the Plano West game like this is where maybe they can have an advantage is that the game against Louisville um from what I was hearing is that like like Taylor and Green mm-hmm. you know the the standout quarterback for Louisville like he was having to make several reads before he was able to throw the ball oh yeah he was like after like they just marched on them that first drive Louisville did they got yeah. out to a quick lead but then after that Plano West secondary did a really good job adjusting and they just kind of dropped a lot of guys back into coverage and it really kind of threw off the timing that Louisville's offense likes to operate with now Flower Mound is a little bit more of the tempo is a little bit different with Flower Mound so mm-hmm. they'll obviously throw different looks at you than what Louisville did of course. but yes I mean that's I mean Taylor 
Green is, I mean, if Garrett Nussmeyer, Garrett Nussmeyer, he's the best quarterback in the district, but Taylor Green, not that far behind. No. And, um, but yeah, I mean, they, they just had him, he would get outside the pocket. He'd be scrambling and trying to find something open and just nothing ever materialized. Um, so yeah, Plano West's defense can, they can offer up a bit more resistance than Plano East. I, I think at least, um, on paper in this one, but, um, and yeah, that kind of, you know, as we kind of then segue to talking about some of the, uh, the big storylines for this game. And that's, that's kind of the big thing now is okay. Flyer Mount, you did it against a Plano East team. That's, you know, taking its lumps this season. So have they in fact turned a corner? Cause if they have, then this game is going to be, this is going to be interesting to see what Flyer Mount does during this, uh, during this home stretch. But, you know, like I said, they, uh, they hadn't scored more than 21 points all season long leading up to this East game, the 63 points they scored against Plano East. I mentioned earlier that they had scored just as many points on the season, 170 as Plano West had. You do some quick math. So those 63 points, that accounts for 37% of their total points scored this season. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. Just in one game is 37%. One game. So yeah, this one was, it's, you look at just the way that the offense had been trending and it does, you can, you know, at the surface, it looks like a bit of an anomaly. So now we get to see, okay, can you do this again versus a, a more, a more established defense? Certainly one of the better defenses in 6-6-A. It's, you know, but you, like you said on Monday's podcast though, Flyermont's offense is young. They've been young all season long. They only returned two starters from last season, so it could very well be a case of just a young offense really starting to find mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, find a sense of confidence and timing and rhythm, and really starting to kind of play to the expectations that they had earlier in the season. It just took a little bit of time for them to get going. You know, when you lose a. Uh, like a, a quarterback like Blake Short. Oh yeah. I mean, he was what offensive district offensive MVP last year. Oh yeah. I mean, and led them to their first ever playoff win last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not easy to do. It's not. No. And especially with all the COVID stuff that happened this summer, mm-hmm. like you know, even though like they got to see some you know more time together than like the like Capel, which is in Dallas County, because all the health restrictions, like it, like they still had like you know like a month or two away, like they didn't even have spring ball together. Mm-hmm. So I mean, up for teams like that that are having to you know insert so many new pieces right there. That's tough for them. And, and this the this might be the case where it's taken this long just because all the COVID mm-hmm. stuff earlier in the year. And then on the other end, you look at Plano West, and I'm just curious, can they get back to playing games on their terms? They've done a really good job of that this season, mm-hmm. keeping games within their comfort zone. You know, Marcus was really the only team to break that mold, but Marcus is Marcus, and yeah. they're going to do that to everybody in this district, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so... They've—it's not a team that's had to play from behind all too often. Um, they've how's this for a weird stat? That game against Marcus—that's the first time that Plano West has trailed at halftime all season long. Really? Yeah. Even in their losses to Little Elm and to Capel, they were still up at half. Yeah, I remember there. I remember the game at Capel. Yes. I, so I mean, is it you know is this going to be an opportunity for them to get back to the form that they're accustomed to, establish that run game behind mm-hmm. Dermot White and maybe Tabern Yates? Um, can they excel in those third and medium, third and long situations with Greg Draw? that have been oh so pivotal to them, you know, being able to keep burning clock, moving chains, and keeping the opposing offense kind of shackled to the sidelines. They mm-hmm. like to work those long, grinding drives and that have, uh, have cratered many an opponent. And I'm just curious to see if they can kind of get back to that after a week where a team, you know, for the first time all season, really forced them, you know, to do some stuff that they just weren't entirely comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, where do we stand on a prediction for this game? Whew. How about you, David? Where are you landing? I am going to lean with Plano West. Okay. And just because you take it the Louisville game. Mm-hmm. Um, West won tw- uh, 27 to 17, I think it was in that game. And 
uh, like the way that they're able to shut down Tabor and Yates right there, hold them. I think he had less than 200 passing guards in Taylor, that game. Taylor Green, you mean? Taylor Green. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, sorry, sorry. So, so, uh, Tabor and Taylor are fairly similar. They are very first names. So. But I, I'm, my okay. my job is to get the accurate information to you people. So <laughs> we're all human. You're all human. Uh, so Taylor Green, um, he had, he had less than 200 passing yards in that mm-hmm. game, and uh, that's like. That's a, that's an offense that's used to putting up a lot more you know yardage than that with all the receivers that they got, that's, especially Isaiah Stevens. So, absolutely. so I mean, if you take a look at that game, and then you take a look, look at the way you know a Flower Mound side where they allowed fifty one points in that game right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of like you know like on paper like you know like a head to head kind of matchup of how things went. Like so a common opponent, thing. common opponent, yeah. So just based on that, I'm going to lean towards Plano West, but maybe not too much. Uh, probably like seven points. I think this projects to be a fairly lower scoring game yeah. than what we've seen out of some of these just wild shootouts in 6 yeah. a I mean, both defenses, I think, are strong enough to make the opposing offenses a bit a bit uncomfortable in mm-hmm. spots, for sure. I do put some credence, though, in Plano West success executing, especially in the first half. Like I said, they've led at halftime in all but one game against Marcus. Yep. Um, you know, I need and I just I need to see Flowermont's offense do it again. It's just when you have a six-game sample size of one outcome on offense, and then you have a seventh game that is so completely to the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I got to keep it in perspective too, because it it was Plano East, and Plano East is they're winless on the season. And you know, I you know, covering Plano East, I know that they've had to dig a little bit deep into their depth chart on defense, and it might not necessarily have been the defense that was lining up in week one of the season that Flower Mound was uh, was going against. So that's that might have attributed to their uh, their offensive explosion a bit um, a bit as well. I just think that West is right now just playing the steadier mix of, of complementary football. You know, like I mentioned, that sixty three points that's thirty. of the entire output for Flower Mound's uh, scoring all season, whereas the Plano West, their season high in points is just 34, but they've had, you know, they've had five games where they've scored at least 24 points. So you know where they're going to fall most nights. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, again, I just kind of trust a a bit more consistency from what West has shown up to this point. Again, but if Flower Mound's offense has in fact figured something out there, then watch out. This could, yeah, this could go uh, the other direction in a hurry. So, um, but nevertheless, though, just what we've seen so far, I take Plano West as well. Um, it's a shame that Devin's not here because Devin picked Flower Mound and he's not even here to defend himself. So nevertheless, though, the final ballot was 2-1. to A little bit of dissension. Don't you know that's a bit of a rarity for yeah. us on the, on the picket line. But um, nevertheless, though, you and I, David, siding with Plano West to get the win over Flower Mound Friday in, um, in a... Uh, Pretty significant game in, uh, in District 66A. Once again, this one Friday, 7 o'clock at Neil Wilson Stadium, our game of the week. Hope it's a, uh, hope it is, in fact, a good one. Um, all right, so let's then shift gears and talk about some of the other games that were up for consideration for mm-hmm. game of the week. Um, we got a couple games on Thursday over in uh, Frisco that uh, certainly carry some significant ramifications for yep. 5-5A Division One and 7-5A Division Two. David, let's talk a bit about Reedy versus Wakeland. This yep. one is going to be Thursday, seven o'clock, out at Toyota Stadium. Reedy three and one in five five A Division One. They're in third place. Wakeland three and three in sixth place. We know that Lone Star Ryan is going to be one two in some fashion, but three and four, it's just Up a big old yeah. Just shrug your shoulders and see what happens this week. So these are two teams, along with Independence and the Colony, who were supposed to play this week, but. 
unfortunately, due to some COVID uh, situation at uh, the colony, that they're not going to play for the next two weeks. Yeah. So this, uh, you know, this is obviously this game then takes on a little bit more significance for whoever's able to win this one between yep. Reedy and, uh, and Wakeland as far as getting a leg up on those other two schools. Mm-hmm. So, uh, David, I'll uh, defer to you on this one. Sure. Talk a bit about what stands out about this matchup and ultimately who are you predicting? It's a, it's a, it's a very good matchup right here. I mean, these are two teams that have both had success, you know, over the last couple of years and, uh, you know, get into the playoffs, especially mm-hmm. with uh, Reedy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you took a look at the playoff run that they had two years ago. For sure. It's a huge a, one. Huge one, yeah. It was it was their first season in uh, D- Division Two and five uh, and, and in Class 5A, and uh, I think they had 13 wins on this 13 season. 13 I think that's, that amounts to, what, four rounds deep? Four, four rounds, rounds deep, deep. They yeah. ran into Alito, which, you know. Yeah, Alito's, yeah, Alito's, Alito's Alito. Alito. But, yeah, they still acquitted themselves very well that season. But, obviously, coming into the season, we're going to see how Reedy is going to make the jump back up to uh, uh, Division One in Class 5A, mm-hmm. especially with all the talent that's in, in this uh, district right here, 5A. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've, they've done pretty good. They've only had one loss this season. Absolutely. I mean, and they have a really good, you know, defensive front right there. I mean, it starts with Brooks, you know, defensive end Brooks Griffith right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, defensive lineman Jack Jamison and and Ryan Jones and Zion Washington are holding up the, the back end of the defense. And they for uh, on the season they're only allowing twenty two point six per game yeah. points per game. And um, I remember one of the games that I co- I've co- I think I've covered them twice this year. Uh, one of them uh, they they're playing Frisco and uh, Heritage and Heritage. You know they they they've got a. They've got they've they can score a lot of points absolutely and like I remember in that game the heritage was driving and then uh, Brooks Griffith just made a couple of tackles and you know the, it just went completely you know south for heritage and then uh, Reedy uh, was able to just to find a lot of momentum never look back and mm-hmm. like the defense just translated to the offensive side the offense just just got the energy and uh, AJ AJ Patchett their junior quarterback mm-hmm. uh, I think he comp- I think he completed out. He only had one incompletion in that game, and uh, he threw uh, seven to eight, and I think he had uh, four or five touchdowns in that game. He's been great this He's season. He's been really them. good. Yeah. And uh, his uh, in the, it's one of the receivers that he has connection with is A.J. Fuchsa, mm. and uh, he had a couple of touchdowns in that game as well too. So, I mean, it's an offense that whenever, like, you know, they the receivers get open, uh, they, they – and. They can they can put up some points. So I mean, it's not like you know, it's not as balanced as their defense. But like whenever they need to make plays on offense, they'll be able to make some plays on their offense. So um, you know, Chad Cole's done a really good job with this team right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, put them in a position to uh, obviously you know grab grab a stranglehold. Uh, whereas Wakeland, you know, they they started the season four and zero overall, but then they've they've had a little bit of tough luck lately. They've lost uh, uh, three of their last four games right there. Although one of them was to Ryan, and everybody's gonna you know have a tough time with Ryan. Absolutely. Um, but even in the game against Ryan, which uh, happened a few weeks ago, I, I, again at Toyota Stadium, which I'm going to be at this week, on Thursday, mm-hmm. um, they actually um, moved the ball a couple times here on Ryan. Like they had like uh, like like plays over two plays or two drives over 10 plays and one of them uh, they got a field goal. But I mean, field goals are not going to do it against Denton Ryan right there. So. Um, it's an offense that shows that, like you know, that they can be able to move the ball. They're they're a little bit more 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 methodical. Um, Peyton Lewis, you know, who's their quarterback, you know, he came in last year when during an injury situation, and you know, he's picked up wherever he left off uh, at the end of last year, where he led the, the Wolverines to another playoff berth, which was seven in a row, and now they're trying to go for eight in a row. Um, and obviously, the the big piece on that uh, offense is Jared White. Yeah, uh, he's at 952 yards and 13 touchdowns this season. Uh, he's he's a guy that can take over games whenever you want to. Um, so I feel like you know 
if, if, if Lakeland, you know, needs can make a push to get in the playoffs, they're going to rely on somebody like him to, you know, make a big stand right there. Um, so it, it's a game I feel like Lakeland's got to win. Like, especially with, like, Independence and the Colony not playing this week. Yeah. And, like, the way – how we mentioned earlier in this podcast is how wins and not just wins and losses or stuff like that's going to make a big difference as far as the playoffs concerned. Like, this is a game that Wakeland's got to win. Um, so, it's it's going to be a really good game between both of these teams. Who do you think is going to win? Who? Take a deep breath. Uh, I am going to take Wakeland. Um, I – it's it's going to be a really close game, but I think the desperation is going to kick in just a little bit right there. Uh, I think that there's a there, that's a team that could be able to take the ball out of AJ Paget's hands, like mm-hmm. you know you know chunk out first you know first downs instead of like you know quickly moving on offense, which is going to allow their defense to you know get a you know a little bit of a rest right there. So I feel like it's going to be a close game, but I'm going to take Wakeland in this game. I'm actually on the other end. I think I'm going Reedy. I, like just, I just like the defense and the way that they've, they've shown against some of the other, maybe not the, the Ryan Lone Star tier of offenses, but the job that they did against Independence and Heritage. Yeah. And I think, again, they've, they've got a really, really solid, I think, advantage up front, what you mentioned with, uh, with Brooks Griffith and, uh, and what they've done um, up to this point in that side of the ball. And, again, I just think Padgett's in such a good, in a, such a good way right now. Mm-hmm. I think he's on such a roll, and I, I kind of like them to kind of keep going. I think I just like the balance a little bit better on both sides than I do for Wakeland. So, um, mm-hmm. I'm picking Reedy. Devin actually was also siding with Reedy, so a two-to-one ballot in favor of the Reedy Lions to beat Frisco Wakeland in a very, very pivotal matchup in 5-5A Division One. Then that same night over at, let's see, at Frisco ISD Memorial Stadium, you've got a meeting at 7-5A Division Two that could very well be a playoff eliminator when you look at the way that the district is shaking out there. This one will have Lebanon Trail hosting Denison. They're, uh, they're tied for fourth place right now. Um, so this obviously would be very huge for securing a, uh, a potential playoff seed. You know, with Denison, you know what you're getting with Denison. Play great defense. They're going to have that power running game with Jadarian Price and Aza Osborne. Lebanon Trail has, you know, shown to be a little bit more dynamic with its offense, but they needed their run game to produce in a big way last week to pull away from Princeton. That was just a five-point game entering the fourth quarter. And then um, they really just kind of put the boots to him there to close it out. Gregory Hatley, Parker Maui, they combined for 257 yards, uh, ultimately got a 47-28 win. So ultimately they won that thing pretty convincingly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nevertheless, you know, we're Denison, you know, they're defense has held up well, even in defeats to Lovejoy and Frisco, you know, even though they lost by 20 to Frisco last week, they did still hold Frisco to 23 points, which relative to what Frisco's capable of, that's still pretty solid. And then Lovejoy, they held them to just uh, just 10 points through three quarters, and then Lovejoy had to mount some, obviously, a bit of a, a, bit of a furious push there in the fourth to ultimately win that game. Um, but nevertheless, though, I think they can have a bit of success there. You know, I think they can have a bit of success there as far as just kind of moving the ball just in general and being able to slow and just be able to limit the snaps for um, Lebanon Trail's um, offense. You know, that defense has, I mean, they've been known to get into some shootouts this season. Lebanon Trail's defense is allowing close to 30 points per game, and I just think that's where Dennison kind of hit them a bit. So I, uh, I ultimately side with Dennison to win this one. Um, and let's see, I'm looking over the ballot right now, and you and I were on the opposite end of this one again. Well, again. <laughs> you picked Lebanon Trail this one, Devin picked Dennison, so... Uh, 
uh, again, another two-to-one ballot. Uh, David going off the reservation a bit with some of these. Oh, who knows? Uh, like, I'm not saying I mean, one team's favorite over the other, but it's, um, yeah, it's obviously some, uh, some moving and shaking on the picket line this week, though. Not a lot uh, of dissension, which is what I like. I'll, I'll like. I'll like when we can disagree about stuff. Let's see then. Let's look then at our uh, at our next game. This one is going to be over in District 66A, the other game on the 66A schedule this week, in addition to Plano West and Flower Mound. Um, let's talk a little Louisville versus Capel. They're yes. both part of that uh, of that little uh, three-way tie for second place at 2-1 and one in district. They're tied with Hebron. Now the commonality between all three of those teams is that none of them played last week because they were all impacted by the uh, the COVID-related shutdowns around mm-hmm. the district. Um, so it's not like any one team is going to be fresher than the other between nope. Louisville and Capel. This game Friday, 7 o'clock out at Buddy Eccles Field. Who you got, David? <sighs> <laughs> I am. Just I, 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 might, I might be. I might be catching yeah. a little bit of you know heat from this run right here. Okay. From my Capel supporters, but uh, I'm just going to give the slight edge to Louisville. Okay. And like it, like uh, this is a game that uh, it's going to be a shootout. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the, both of these offenses. You know, like with the two quarterbacks that we got in this game, both of them thrown for over 1,500 yards this season mm-hmm. with Taylor Green and Ryan Walker and this, the wide receivers that you got in this game as well too. Yeah. Uh, K.J. Liggins, Anthony Black on Capel's side, also Dylan Nelson. And then on the Isaiah Stevens, you know, who's, who's you know, putting up bad numbers over there for the farmers. Absolutely. Uh, I th- the thing right here is like Capel this week, like they actually, like they had a one week shutdown at the school mm-hmm. for the high school because like the whole high school shut down for yeah. for COVID reasons. So I'm just kind of I don't know how that's gonna you know factor into them having to you know do practices and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously like the inconsistency that I kind of worry about with Capel as well too. Um, they've had some halves where they've just totally laid it up. And then they've had some halves like, you know, against Plano West in the first half where they trailed at halftime mm-hmm. and they kind of struggled to stop, you know, Plano West offense at times. And then uh, uh, also they had a couple of turnovers in that game too, which led, they had two turnovers, which led to 10 points for Plano West in the first half. Mm-hmm. And then the other week against Marcus, they had thir- they only had 37 passing yards in the first half. Okay. So, I mean, just the like inconsistency from Capel just worries me a little bit too much. And I feel like this is a game uh, also where um, Louisville can be able to take advantage of maybe a couple holes on defense. Um, Zach Stricker, you know, I'm, I'm kind of see what his injury situation is like. Uh, he got injured on the third play against Marcus, okay. who's one of their standout defensive cornerbacks, who's also a team captain. So I feel like that might be an advantage that they can take advantage of. So I'm going to take Louisville on this game. I kind of worry then that I'm going against the Capel beat writer and the guy who's kind of got more of the inside scoop on what's going on. I might have to change my beat after this week. Than I do, but um, I'm going Capel in this one. And if you'd asked me this qu- the same question back before the season started, I would have favored Louisville, but just given what I've seen out of both sides, I kind of, I'm kind of going the other way on this one. I kind of, much like with Reedy Wickland, I just kind of like the balance between offense and defense and special teams a little bit better. I like the complimentary football a bit more for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, Devin Pickapel as well. So a two-to-one ballot in favor of the Cowboys versus Louisville. Do we have, can we go, what, can we go five for five? We can't. We're all on the same page for this last game. Darn it. All right. So I was, I was kind of wondering if this would get game of the week because I think, you know, with all due respect to where the readers vote, I think this is on the short list 
list of the most high-profile games in the area this week because it's undefeated team against undefeated team this late in the season. So you know it's yeah. obviously going to be a huge deal. We're sticking in 7-5A Division Two and talking about the battle between Lovejoy and Frisco. It's finally here. I've been waiting for this game for some time. I'm excited for this one Friday. 7 o'clock out at Frisco ISD Memorial Stadium. You basically have... Super juggernaut, elite, awesome firepower offense versus lockdown, shutdown, everything down defense. Mm-hmm. Um, 53.3 points per game for the Lovejoy offense. That is already, they've already scored as many points in seven games this season as they scored in 11 games all of last season. That's how well they're playing That's, right now on offense. That's the Chris Ross effect, man. He's just found a way to maximize that personnel mm-hmm. in such an impressive way. R.W. Rucker's playing like a district MVP candidate. Reed Westervelt, he leads the area in receiving among 5A receivers and whatnot. I mean, they're, uh, they're just they're clicking with such a fine confidence and balance on that, uh, on that side of the ball. They feel like no matter whether it's a pass or a run, there's no down and distance that they can't convert right now. I think the main thing, I, you mentioned all the – R.W. Rucker, uh, also Isaiah Smith is somebody you should mention as well, too. They're, they're Reed running back. Um, Reed Westervelt. The the main thing I saw that really helped this offense work is their offensive line. With Trent Robinson and Trent, that, yeah, that yep. up front. Yeah. yeah, Trent Robinson, Gage Harrison, Gavin Burkhart, Parker Braithwaite, and Dylan Bro. Mm-hmm. The game I saw him against Frisco Memorial, every play – like even if it was like you know like a like a short yard or drawn, it was at least four or five plays. They were moving four or five plays. You know they were knocking Memorial off the line of scrimmage really? right there. So I mean this is the game where you're going to see how well they hold up against you know mm-hmm. a, a Frisco defense that that has like uh, let me see how many sacks did I put on there? Lots. Uh, lots of sacks. <laughs> lots of sacks. And eleven players with at least one sack on there. That's some depth. Yes. That's some depth right That's, there. There's eleven players on defense. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I, I, do, I didn't know there's yeah, eleven yeah. players. <laughs> it's um. So yeah, I mean, Frisco's defense, like allowing what nine points per game up to this point. Yeah. No one has cleared twenty points against them. Not even Keldrick Luster and all of his superpowers. <laughs> they held him nope. to nineteen uh, when they played Liberty a few weeks back. Um. You know they that was really kind of the first time that you saw. Oh my god. <laughs> Like when you saw just the video game numbers that Liberty's offense was putting up, and the fact that they couldn't muster any more than 19 against Frisco, now obviously committing four turnovers, or I guess maybe have been five, another four interceptions. Yes, but uh, but and that could have been. Listen, now you can counter that though with saying that okay, well, Lester's a sophomore, so it was only a matter of time before he finally started playing like a sophomore. And what better than what maybe the best defense in the state to make him do so? Mm-hmm. Whereas with Rucker, he's a senior, he's a multi-year starter, and he's been hyper efficient with the football this year. Only two interceptions thrown up to this point. So you'd expect that on paper, maybe a bit more composure out of that Lovejoy offense. And Lovejoy's already had to work out of some adversity. They've already had a defense that slowed down that offense to the tune of, you know, what did I say? It was 10 points they had scored on Denison through three quarters, and then they were able to score 21 in the fourth and wind up winning that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've already been able to show they can persevere through some adversity and when a team is slowing down that, uh, that offense. But, I mean, something's got to give up to this point. So, uh, yeah, you have two teams that are so far and away elite on one side of the ball, and every second that those two are on the field is going to be just so much fun to see who gets the upper hand. I side with Frisco, though, in this one, and very, very close, though, because I do think Lovejoy can maybe go at least a little bit above and beyond what some other offenses have done against him this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, A, I believe that defense is, play, is, that, is that freaking good right now, um, just the job that they've done. And I think that they, uh, that run game of theirs on offense can work as a nice little complement to uh, kind of limit Lovejoy's offensive snaps and kind of keep that offense not up to the usual count that they're, uh, they're used to uh, playing with. Um, and then you just you look at, uh, as far as just common 
what opponents go. Again, I do think Denison is a playoff caliber team, as evidenced by picking them earlier on. And just you look at how they both performed against Denison, whereas Lovejoy needed the big, old, dramatic fourth-quarter comeback to win at Denison. Mm-hmm. First go just kind of had their way with them, scored 23 unanswered points, won that game 23-3. to Never look back. So if there, if that means anything, and granted, again, styles make fights, matchups matter in football, so we'll see. But um, I, I side with Frisco just barely, though. I think this is going to be a pretty solid game. I, I agree with you as well, too. I'm, I think I, I just want to see the matchups between Lovejoy's receivers and Frisco's defensive backs. Oh, yeah, Reed Westervelt and Chase Lowry and Miles Mays and Luke Mayfield. There's just a lot of, a lot of star power in those matchups. Yeah, you, that's going to feel like kind of like a Pro Bowl right there. It is. I mean, the way that – that Mayfield and Lavender and uh, Westerville can just stretch the field right there. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the, like, you know, how much success they can have against Mays and Lowry mm-hmm. out there. Uh, those, those two guys are combined. They have seven interceptions on this season. That's pretty good. Just, yeah, not too bad. Pretty, pretty good. So I, I feel like just based on that, like, you know, how much love joy loves to push the ball downfield. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I feel it's, you know, they might kind of frustrate them a little bit, you know, bun being up, not being able to push the ball down the field. I feel it's going to give Lovejoy like a little bit of frustration right there. It's like, Hey, we put up all these 50 plus points per game and all that stuff. Like how come we're not doing it today? So I feel like this is a game just because of that. I'm going to take Frisco. You, uh, you and I and Devin were all in unison on this one. We're all picking Frisco to pick, to pick up the win over Lovejoy and stay unbeaten in pursuit of a back-to-back district championship. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that's a huge game Friday, seven o'clock out at Frisco ISD Memorial stadium. Let's see, let's go over some of the other games that were up on the picket line this week. We'll just quickly give picks on these ones, let you know where we're leaning. Um, let's see. Lake Dallas versus Prosper Rock Hill. You're going to be at this game on Friday. I will. This was another 2-1 to one ballot, so more dissension. David, you and I taking Lake Dallas to win this one, and Devin taking Rock Hill to win. I believe that would be its first win of the season. They almost had, they had a chance last week. Yeah. So let's uh, yeah see if they can get it done against the Falcons. But nevertheless, the picket line favors Lake Dallas in that one. Bikini North versus Sherman. This is another two-to-one ballot. So much dissension. I love it. Oh, man. Why can't it be like this every week? Uh, let's see. This one was another two-to-one ballot. This time, though, in favor of McKinney North. David, you and I picking North. Devin taking Sherman. Then we have uh, Creekview versus uh, Fort Worth Polytechnic. Creekview picked up its first win last uh, last week, and their offense has certainly picked it up a bit. Um, we see this as a two-to-one ballot in favor of Creekview. You and I pick Creekview again. Devin took Polytechnic. So, yeah, there's just – man, these things are going to look so this weird is, next week. Yeah. And then uh, let's see. Then we close out then with a look at a matchup over in District 96A between a couple Garland ISD schools. Rowlett versus Naaman Forest. Rowlett having its heart ripped out by Wiley last week. Going to miss the playoffs. I guess we all foresee some sort of hangover effect on that because we all took Naaman Forest to get the win in this one. And then as we close out, West Mesquite versus Wiley East, one of these two teams looking to try to claw back into playoff contention in 7-5A Division One. We all took West Mesquite, the uh, the Wranglers, to beat the Wiley East Raiders. So that is a look as far as our picks. As far as the records for the picket line, not to say that you should buy in any one person's picks more than the others and whatnot, but just as far as where we're standing, Devin is 49-26. and 26. Not here to defend himself. You are 51 and 24, and I'm 58 and 17. 
I got some catching up to do. Hey, this is a perfect week to do so. <laughs> that's that's, why, so, that's why all the dissension. Yeah, we are so all over the place this week. So uh, putting a little bit of heat on y'all. I like it. Yeah, maybe so, it's a it's a make or break week for me. So let's see. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where we uh, where we sit as far as some of the other marquee games in our coverage area. Let's close out by talking about which games we are in fact going to be covering this week. David, what is on your coverage docket? Thursday night, I'm going to be at Toyota Stadium to cover Frisco Reedy against Frisco Wakeland, and then on Friday, I'm going to be out at Falcon Stadium in Corinth to cover Prosper Rock Hill and Lake Dallas. Awesome. And for me, I will be out at McKinney ISD Stadium Thursday, 7 o'clock. My first look at McKinney North in that aforementioned game at 7-5A Division One. They play Sherman. And then Friday, I'm going to be out at Frisco ISD Memorial Stadium for Lovejoy at Frisco. See if it see if it lives up to the hype. Hope so. Alan Geyer kind of fell short of the hype, so I'm hoping this one makes up for it. Um, so yes, that is a look at what we are uh, have on our coverage docket for this week. And with that, that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Podcast is going to be off next week for Thanksgiving and whatnot. So everybody enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll be back the following week to talk about probably break down a whole lot of playoff scenarios. So we'll see what happens between now and then. Until that time, folks, take care. We will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.